0: I'll bring you inspiring all out guests, lifestyle, business tips, and tools to empower you to take the leap from burnout employee to all out entrepreneur, making your passion, your paycheck. If this mom of three corporate burnout can go all out, so can you. Good morning, guys. We are here as promised I am so excited to have one of my first guests ever on my upcoming Burnout to All Out podcast. Just so you guys get some perspective, my guest today is streaming live with us through Facebook. I'll be recording this and dropping it in the future podcast. So, you know, I am so excited about this guest for a number of reasons. But first and foremost, I think that Murray Miller, who's here with us today, exemplifies that shift from burnout to all out, right? Like I can't imagine a better kickoff to the podcast, right? But then secondly, he's been an incredible mentor of mine in helping me as I made my own transition from burnout to living all out as an entrepreneur. And so without further ado, Murray, I want to give a brief introduction with your background before we get started, because some people have no idea who you are. So he's an amazing human being and he's been an amazing mentor for me and helped massively with mindset shifts To being an entrepreneur in the online space. So a little bit about Murray really quickly. He's been an entrepreneur his entire life. So we're going to get into that. We're going to talk about all of it because I think you're going to inspire a lot of people. He's run numerous businesses in various industries. Most recently, he owned and operated a financial services company, along with a college planning company, working directly with high school families and also funded a software company where he worked with developers to create proprietary platforms for his advisors. So you think he was busy? Maybe a little bit. Also director of nonprofit organizations that he founded to provide scholarships for deserving high school students to college. And he owned a commercial building where he had some tenants. So he's, this guy, Murray obviously gets the idea of multiple income streams, right? and building out multiple assets. Most recently, over the past seven years, he's actually created an exit strategy with his wife with all of those businesses, sold them, and has transitioned into being a full-time online entrepreneur with his wife in the network marketing arena and has created that residual income that he has set him free. So I think that's an incredible background that you have, Murray, and I would love over the next 45 minutes to really kind of get through, you know, go back to the beginning and work our way through, but real quick, I'll let you just introduce yourself. Who's Murray? Where do you live? How many kids do you have? What should folks know about you before we get into the nitty gritty?
1: Awesome. Thank you, Melissa. What a great intro. And I'm so excited to be one of the first people on your podcast because I know this is going to be super successful with all the people that you're connected to. So this is exciting for me as well. Yeah, so married almost 40 years now, the same lady, and it's just been amazing. And every day is a gift, and I really believe that. Two kids, daughter 27, who's actually in our business with us right now, Chelsea, she's amazing, and she's living in San Diego. I live in Boston with my wife. We're at the Beach House most of the summer on Cape Cod. And I've also got a son who is going into his sophomore year in college. And he is at Chapman University, way out in Orange, California. So we've got people all over. <laughs> and it's just very exciting.
0: That's awesome. Well, that gives you guys a reason to hang out in California. It does. <laughs> well, and especially if you guys are going to be having some emerging business in Japan. I think that gives you a closer landing board to like visit your kids and then take off and head to Japan. <laughs> yeah,
1: part of the plan, Melissa. That's why we had him looking at colleges out in that area. I said,
0: yes, I love it. So you guys, Murray is just one of the most salt of the earth humans. And so is his wife. They've been incredible mentors. So I want to just dive right in. Because some folks who are going to be listening to this podcast are noodling on getting started with their own business while working full time, right. And so we'll be able to leverage a lot of different pieces of your story. But I want to go all the way back to the beginning. Because, you know, not everyone's cut out to be an entrepreneur. You know, I was listening to a Podcast myself the other day, Kelly Rose was talking about how so many people live the majority of their life being risk averse, uh, trying to be as safe as possible, trying to reduce risk and kind of live out a life that's kind of secure and safe, but not necessarily bold and audacious and out there taking risk. Right? You know, I don't know what the statistics are, but I would say that entrepreneurs are over there in kind of that one percent mindset, right, of just grabbing the bull by the horns and creating something on your own. So given your bio and knowing that you've been a serial entrepreneur, you've started multiple businesses. I'd love to go back to like the young Murray, like the little Murray. What was it in your mindset? Was it at a young age that like before, you know, even you had to pay your bills? Were you uh, hawking things on the street selling rocks like my son tries to do? Like, talk to us about that mindset and where it came from, from childhood.
1: I love it. No, absolutely. So going way back, when I was growing up, my family came from very low income. My mom was a receptionist. My dad and her had split up when we were young. So we struggled. I mean, we had a roof over our heads and we had food on the table. But other than that and clothing, it was not the easiest growing up. So school, all that, all that other stuff. And I knew right away because I saw the stress that my mom was under just to make things happen that I wanted to do things on my own. I wanted to take stress off my mom. So from the very beginning, I was mowing lawns, I was shoveling driveways in the winter, I was, you know, delivering papers and, you know, (laughs) dating myself here, we had newspapers. (laughs) So yeah, I did all those things. And I never asked my mom for money. And it was just one of those things that came naturally. From the very beginning, I knew that if I was going to, if anything was going to happen, it was going to happen because I was going to make it happen. And I didn't want to burden the family with, I need this or I need that. So I did things on my own from the beginning. It just kind of inbred in me that that's the way that things going to work.
0: Yeah. Well, and so it's interesting you bring that up because I know – another thing I was reading about the other day when they looked at the statistics of entrepreneurs and just looking at the disadvantage, like growing up and having some and one of the things they were looking at with dyslexia. And interestingly, I didn't realize this, but 38% of entrepreneurs are dyslexic. Now that has nothing to do with you. But the point of what I was reading was that when they look at entrepreneurs, what they realize is a lot of entrepreneurs had to endure the hard and figure out how to work around, right. And so me, I actually struggle with reading and math my entire life, even though I ended up in pharmacy, I still get numbers backwards. Like to this day, I think I'm borderline dyslexic. But the point here is with what I was reading is that A lot of times that struggle or, you know, growing up and having to contribute and have a little bit of hard, like taking that hard, instead of making it your disadvantage, making it your advantage, right? Because you're willing to do more because you had to, right? In order to make ends meet. And this was one of the things they talked about with the students with dyslexia or entrepreneurs with dyslexia. So anyway, I thought that was really interesting is that, you know, a lot of entrepreneurs endure. So I want to go, I'm going to fast forward to you because this is also just getting some good parenting advice too, right, Murray? So knowing that you and I, I grew up where my parents worked really, really hard. My mom worked three jobs and I knew that I wanted to kind of own and do my own thing and never have to ask for a dollar, right? Do you ever wonder, so now you're living all out, like you're living the dream life. You've got a house in Cape Cod. You've got your house in Boston or right outside of Boston, right? You're a millionaire in in your own right. Like you guys are crushing it with your business. Do you ever wonder, and I know Chelsea's crushing it too, right? But do you ever wonder with your kids? Because I know I do. I'm like, gosh, part of the reason I've been successful is because of the hard that I had to go through that's made me gritty. So, like, any thoughts or advice on that as far as, okay, now you've got these children that are maybe a little bit more entitled. Like, I think about that all the time than I was. How do I make sure they're gritty? Like, how do I make sure they can endure the hard and make that their story, you know?
1: Crazy good question, Melissa. With us, you know, with Susan too, Susan came from very low means and she dug her way out. She didn't go to college. I didn't go to college. I put myself through community college for a couple of years just while I was working two or three jobs. So Yeah, the grit was there just because it had to be there. And, you know, they say necessity is the mother of invention. And that certainly was our story. In terms of the kids, Honest to goodness, you know, both of our kids, thank God, had the opportunity to go to college. Chelsea went to a college here in the Boston area that is one of the top business schools in the country, ranked number one for entrepreneurship for 17, 18 years in a row, and got an amazing education, graduated top 5% of her class, and she's gone on and she's got grit. And it's not something that, you know, that you can give to a person. They either have it or they don't. I think you can get grittier in in your life as things start to, you know, knock you down a little bit. It just kind of makes you want to go even more. But, yeah, for Susan and I, it was just the classic we didn't have it and we wanted it. We didn't want to be held back. And that's what drove us and that's what continues to drive us. And with Chelsea, it was completely different. She got an amazing education. My son also very, very strong education right now. We went to private high school. We didn't have the opportunity to do that. So we always wanted to do more for our kids than we had when we were growing up. And at the same token, we're nervous just for that fact that are we giving these guys too much on a silver platter? Or are they going to be able to go out and make it happen? And so far it's worked out great. So I think it's what's in here more yeah. than what's up here that drives people.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, that's such a good share and I couldn't agree more. Awesome. Okay. So let's get into in the throes of your businesses. What was Within your businesses with the financial services with the college coaching agency business, which one came first, and what made you come up with the idea and leap in and do it?
1: great question so I had started the financial services business first mm-hmm. because financial education was very important to me because I didn't have money growing up and I wanted to understand how money worked so I got into financial services I started out in the insurance business, then moved into funds and and equities and things of that nature, just so I could learn it for myself. And then I found out I was pretty good at talking to other people about it in a manner that they could relate to it. So it became successful. And over a period of time, because I didn't have the opportunity to go to college other than putting myself through community college, I said, there's got to be a lot of people that are out there like me that I could help go through this college process now that I understand money. And so that was the driving force behind starting a college business and when I started it there weren't very many people I mean there was not any associations of college planners or anything like that when I first started in it back in 2000 it was something that was sort of brand new and I knew because college was so expensive especially yeah. up in New England in the Boston area the colleges are 70 80 grand a year now and it was just people are like I want to send my kids to college I just have absolutely no idea how I can afford it so That was need that I saw in the marketplace that I knew I could help with. And Mm -hmm. I was able to develop something that was proprietary that no one else had. And it started to take off. And then I said, if I can do this for my clients, I can show other advisors how to do this for their clients. And then I started recruiting advisors and ended up fast forward over 100 advisors using our software and developing teams of people all over the country to use the program that I had developed.
0: That's incredible. So basically what I'm hearing you say is you saw the blue ocean. Like I use that analogy all the time. You saw a new market and you ran with it and you had the idea. And let's talk a little bit more about that. Because I know that some people that are listening to this are building out their own dream right now. They're building out their own business. So can you talk a little bit about that growth and expansion? Because I know that the growth and expansion of your business can be really exciting, but can also be really overwhelming in how you manage it and manage that growth. So as you saw that blue ocean and you started leveraging it and growing and scaling, can you talk a little bit about the challenges in in the opportunity? So you saw the opportunity and you ran with it, but were there moments where maybe you potentially bit off more than you could chew and had to like make sure you had everything in place? Or do you feel like you planned out in advance of being prepared for the business that was going to come your way.
1: Yeah. So I definitely felt that many different tops along the way that I bit off more than I could chew. I just wanted to expand so fast and get the word out to so many people. And, you know, when I first started hiring people to help me, you know, I couldn't do it all by myself. I was using home equity money that I had just took out of HELOC and I was using that money. So I was borrowing money to get things going. And that was stressful. If it didn't work, what was going to happen? And then, of course, I was responsible now for these other people's paychecks. Yeah. And then I was like, why am I paying rent? And I went up and I got a commercial building, I started it renting. And then the people that I was renting from, I'm like, I don't want to rent anymore. I'm going to move and buy my own building. They're like, well, maybe you could buy part of our building. And I was like, okay. And I ended up doing that and then growing and taking on an attorney and taking on different financial professionals in the building. So one thing led to another, and I had so much going on that, yeah, I couldn't stop and think. Honestly, Melissa, I couldn't stop and think. Because if I did, I would have got overwhelmed with what right. I Just kept my head down, kept going forward just to make sure that, you know, Everything would just continue. And, you know, honest to goodness, when it really got to its peak and this might play right into your burnout uh, phase of this interview, is that I was up to thirty thousand dollars a week in payroll and I was the sole producer for the company. So it was just like, okay, I'm responsible for a lot. I can't slow this thing down. This train is moving. I can't get sick. You know, I have to stay focused. I have to stay working. And it was 24-7. The money was great. I'm not going to complain about that, but it was, you know, there was stress there. <laughs> there was no, no, no about
0: that. So I love it. So you're in the throes of it. You've just got your head down and you're just going. There's opportunity ahead of you. You're growing and you're scaling. And all of a sudden you look up and you've you're like feeding, you you are responsible for a lot of people's livelihoods. And how many at this point, so on the outside, many would say, you're living the dream, you own your own business. You are a CEO, like, you're no longer an entrepreneur, you've got you are literally a CEO, you've got massively on your payroll. And on the outside, many who report to a corporate job may say you're living the dream, right? You're running your own business. So on the inside, tell me kind of what was going on. Like when you were at the peak of this and we'll kind of segue into what Susan was doing meantime, we'll get into that. But at the peak of this, I mean, how are you sleeping? How was your health? The money was great. How was Murray doing?
1: Great question. Again, I love that question because on the outside, Murray was doing amazing. Murray was just, he was killing it every single day. He was coming in, he was making decisions. He was you know, bringing in more business, taking on new advisors, setting up trainings, managing the whole thing, terrific. And every now and then I'd glance out the window and I'd see the guy going by cutting the lawn and say, that looks really good. He's just cutting the lawn. He's not worried about anything, right? Because I've got all this stuff going on in my head that I can't shut down. And I didn't get a lot of sleep at that time. I got a lot of sleep. And what I found, even though I was working out, I'd get up early and work out. I was gaining weight. And the reason I was gaining weight is because I was traveling a lot. I was taking people to dinner and I was going to have drinks. And then I was waking up and taking people to breakfast. And then I'd get on a plane and eat that crap food that you get at the airports. And that's what was happening. So little by little over the years, you know, you gain one or two pounds a year after 10 or 15 years, all of a sudden you look down and go, what just happened? So the health wasn't what I wanted it to be. The lifestyle wasn't what I wanted it to be. The only thing really that was great was the money. And, you know, what good is that if you don't feel good and you don't have any time to enjoy it?
0: Yes. Oh, my gosh. Preach. Okay. this is perfect. So this brings us to the pinnacle of Murray's burnout. Right. So Murray has built out multiple businesses. His head is spinning. He's got lots of money coming in and he's got a lot of money going out with a lot of responsibility. So I want to set the kind of the picture here. Meanwhile, your wife has started building a business alongside, right? While you're working full time. And this was kind of your glimpse into maybe a future exit strategy from the burnout that you're experiencing right now. So can you share with everybody, this kind of leads into, you know, Murray ultimately partnering with his his wife and they're running a million dollar business. But what was going on in the background while you're burnout, you're seeing the guy cut the grass. And you just want that life, right? What's going on in the household with your wife? What's going on?
1: Great question. Again, I love that because this is really where things, you know, you put a a microscope on your life and say, is this really what I wanted? You know, we had a couple of kids at this point. Susan had, she'd been a working person throughout our youth. She worked in uh, salons. She was an entrepreneur in her own right. She started her own cosmetic business. And she had it sort of mini franchised out to a number of different salons where she had makeup artists and she was doing extremely well. And then we decided to move. We were living in South Florida, where Chelsea was actually born. We decided to move back to Boston, where we were both from, to raise our daughter and to raise a family. And when we did that, she sold her cosmetic business and we ended up saying, you know, deciding that she was going to stay at home and raise the family. So she did that. She had the business background. She had the entrepreneurship. But she had taken a pause to raise the kids and she had decided somewhere along the way that she wanted to get back into working. In the interim, when we were young, we started in a network marketing company that was, you know, we were both still working at the time. This is before kids. And we had a lot of success in that network marketing company, but we kind of got burnt out with it. And we stayed in our entrepreneurial businesses that we had until the time that we could exit from that and work in that network marketing company. And we had a tremendous amount of success at a very young age. So we had a taste of what the freedom could look like and that the money could still be there. But what we found in that particular network marketing company is that although we were very successful, The people on our team weren't finding the same success we had because of some inherent issues with the way the compensation structure had been set up. So it really allowed people that got in early or really, really worked very, very hard all the time, full time to be successful. But the people that were just doing it part time just really couldn't find the same success. It was just too difficult to keep up with the quotas and everything that they had required. So we walked away from the network marketing industry. We walked away from our businesses. We moved back to Boston. I started the college planning company and the financial services company, et cetera. And then fast forward, 2002, we got a call from the owners of Isagenix, Kathy and Jim Cooper. And they told us they had known us from the previous business that we were in. And they wanted to know if we would take a look at something that they were starting called Isagenix. And at the time, it just, we weren't open. You know, we had that conversation with Kathy and we hung up the phone and we're like, yeah, we just we just didn't want to do it. We just thought it was just like the other one that we were with before. And we had been called just literally dozens and dozens of times by people that knew we had success in a previous company telling us about a new company. And it was just another one of those calls. Mm -hmm. So we hung up the phone and didn't do anything. And five years later, we got a call from a couple that we knew from that previous business, Herb and Daddy Cepeda. And they said, hey guys, we just got into this company called Isogenics and it is unbelievable. And we said, Isogenics, yeah, we heard about that. We got a call from Kathy Cooper five years ago. We're not interested. And they said, No, 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 you don't understand. You have to try these products. They are unbelievable products. We're like, yeah, well, you know, we've seen a lot of good- we're gonna send you products. So Patty got UPS together, she sent us a bunch of products, and they landed on our kitchen counter and they just never got used. We looked at them and we didn't open them. And I think Susan ended up giving them away, which we don't want. Patty to know. <laughs> and we didn't do anything. And so they followed up with us and we didn't do anything. And now I'll fast forward another five years for you to 2012 when we got a second call from Kathy Cooper. And she said, guys, I don't know if you know, but we're really, really doing well with Isogenics, and we've got a great product story and we need professionals like yourself to come in here and help us take this to the next level. Would you consider looking at Isogenics now? And she said, we're getting ready to go through a really momentous growth. And Susan said, you haven't done that yet. You're 10 years old and you haven't started your growth. And she says, we've been growing steady every year, but we're ready to really take it to the next level. We've got the right staff. We've got the right people. Let's take this to the next level. Would you come out here? I'll fly the two of you out here and you can take a look at it. And so must have been a good day, Susan likes to say, because she she said, yeah, I'm open. I'll come take a look. And I couldn't go because I'm running three businesses and you know all that I was under. So she said, I'm going to take my daughter, Chelsea, who was 18 years old at the time, getting ready to go off to college. And so they went out there and Susan called me a day later and she said, Murray, I forgot how much I love this business. I forgot how much I love these people. I forgot how positive everyone was. And Murray, they got the compensation model right. They did it right. And I said, I said, explain. And so she started explaining me the nuances of the compensation plan. I'm like, it sounds too good to be true. She says, it is true. I'm watching these people. I'm listening to them. I'm talking to them. It's true. And I said, well, Susan, let's do it. She's like, I know I'm doing it. <laughs> yeah. so, so that's how we started. In yeah. So I knew then Melissa, I knew right then that I wanted to be with my wife full-time in that business, but I had so much that I had to start unwinding at yeah. my office because it couldn't be the Murray show anymore. It couldn't be all about me. They didn't have to come to me to order office supplies from Staples. I needed to start delegating, which I wasn't very good at delegating.
0: Right. All right. Chances are, if you're listening to my podcast today, you are a social seller of some aspect. You're in business. You're online somehow. Do you want to find more business builders in less time to 10 x your business without playing the daily Instagram and Facebook game? Are you tired of being on the hunt daily for new customers of your product to then try to bait and switch them? You know what I'm talking about to be interested in building a business with you. I have been there. The biggest mistake I see that slows down the expansion and stability of a social seller's business is that they spend way too much time recruiting on media for consumption of their company's products and way too little time in direct conversations with like-minded professionals that would love to actually hear about the business opportunity at hand. I then see so many painstakingly trying to drag customers through the sand to catch the vision of a business model that the consumer has no interest in, wasting time and getting burnt out. Can you relate? If you know my story, you know I've been there and since cracked the code and now drive a highly profitable social selling business 100% off of LinkedIn. Imagine finding with ease customers highly motivated for what services you have to offer to grow them, their business, or to become a business partner with you. That's what you will hear from my students who've gone through my previous LinkedIn method trainings. You don't have to look far. I am so excited for the birth of my brand new academy that has been built out based off of the success and the feedback of my previous students who graduated from my programs. So introducing to you the LinkedIn Method Academy. In this six month academy, you will learn to become a business recruiting master on LinkedIn to 10x your business, transform how you brand yourself as the business owner that you are and master attraction marketing that results in prospects begging to get into your calendar to learn more about what you have to offer. The LinkedIn Method Academy is a first of its kind. It's an ick free social sellers recruiting method dream. We take away all the spammy tactics that you've been taught on Insta and Facebook. And I teach you how to position yourself as the professional business owner that you are. I teach you how to professionally build your business brand, create an ideal network and pipeline generation that creates massive momentum and a funnel of weekly calls with viable, motivated humans who are eager to learn more about what you have to offer. It's high touch coaching, on demand learning vault that's uniquely customized to meet you exactly where you are on your LinkedIn journey. And we have a dynamic Facebook community with ongoing live training, performance labs and workshops, and hot seat coaching to support your six month journey to owning LinkedIn. You also get assigned a personal concierge who will stay with you through the entire program to support you and hold you accountable. Did I mention that there'll also be polished, top-selling social sellers who went before you and are now mentors to share best practices and give feedback in the academy? Guys, this is unprecedented and peerless. There's nothing else out there like this. Think immersion in a community that is the utmost professional and results-driven that will help raise your own bar of performance along the way. Do I have your curiosity? Come check out our free five-day LinkedIn method workshop streaming live on our Facebook page, Burnt Out to All Out. Starting October 19th, we'll be kicking off a five-day workshop completely free with tips and tricks. Now, if you're just eager to get started and enroll today, you don't want to wait, go to our academy. Go to www.livethefreelife.co www.livethefreelife.co Enroll by October 25th and save 20% as an early bird. Now there's limited seats. I'm doing that on purpose. I want to keep it high vibe and high touch. All right. So what are you doing in these final months of 2020 to create your trajectory for 2021? If you're looking to 10 x your lead generation for business in 2021 through a step-by-step process of proven methods, condensing time and driving results, you found the right home. I hope to see you in the academy. I want to pause right here and I want to jump into delegation, but I want to pause right here, Murray, because the vision you've casted for people who are, especially for the men who listen to this podcast, I want them to hear kind of where you were, where your mindset was, uh, owning multiple businesses, very successful financially, right? But this opportunity was presented to you by your wife. And you're a smart enough man to know that let me take a deeper look at this. Let me take a deeper look at the compensation model. And you caught the vision that this could be a vehicle for complete financial freedom and your way out to better health and better everything for you and your family, right? And the reason I wanted to pause here is because I think that especially a lot of folks in social selling, and you and I've been back and forth about this, but it's a very female dominated industry. However, I think there's a lot of men just like you that are crying inside for an opportunity like this. And it's going to take the men in this industry, the posture to really talk about it with other men, but also for women in this industry to be open-minded to approach and converse and have these conversations with very successful businessmen like you, be able to cast the vision that this could be an opportunity to set them free financially. Right? So I just wanted to pause there because I think that really showcases it's not just the mamas, the stay-at-home moms, or the corporate moms that are burnt out of spreading themselves too thin. It's the dads, too, the high-performing dads. Now let's get into the delegation piece because I personally want to hear about this, too. Is Here you are operating multiple businesses. Susan's taken off with this new business. How do you begin delegating? I think this is really relevant to any entrepreneur. Even in my own coaching business right now, I'm in the midst of trying to delegate a lot of responsibility so I can get back to you know my zone of genius. So. What did that process look like for you in beginning to kind of peel back the onion, figure out what you could delegate in your business so that you could slowly kind of begin to make your transition because it wasn't it wasn't overnight, right? So can we talk about that?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And if we have time, I'll go back to why I think they're 80% or more of the successful people in network marketing are women, because it's it's really obvious to me. But we'll go back to that. So as far as the delegation part, I had to take on partners. I had to give up responsibility And I had to trust and I had to give people more of the reins and not worry, not sweat the small stuff, because that's what I did. I mean, I literally would wait until people left the office and I would go look at their desk to make sure not that it was neat and clean, that the things that I needed done were getting done. And I do it because I wanted to snoop. I did it because I was nervous. I was in the financial services business. We had a fiduciary responsibility to our clients. Mm -hmm. And it kept me up at night with cold sweat Mm -hmm. thinking we missed something. We want to miss anything for any one of my clients. I didn't want to have one, oops, oh, we missed that. So Mm -hmm. it was very hard to start letting go. So the way I did it, was I started offering some of the people that were top salespeople in my company the opportunity to have shares of the company and take a piece of the action. So I gave up some ownership in order to get more out of these people that I thought were top-notch. And eventually that translated into finding one of the guys who was one of my top guys for years and offering him the opportunity to buy my shares up. And it took three years <laughs> right. to, to unwind the investors and the partners and the, the clients and all the responsibilities and the partnerships that I had created with other businesses and so on and so forth. So yeah, that's what took so long. It was sort of like, oh, could I do this any faster? But it you just had to be patient with it. And right. eventually, eventually it happened.
0: Right. So I love that. And I think the thing to reiterate here is that it didn't happen overnight. That no. Even my own personal transition out of corporate America, you know, in my own business, I made sure I had built up this secondary residual income stream to a place that I was comfortable with before leaving corporate America. Right. So I guess my question to you and I guess you shared with me kind of Susan's experience going to corporate, coming home with this massive vision of what this opportunity could do for you. Was that the moment? Like, was it like a flip of a switch? Okay, we're doing this. Like, and you came up with a three-year plan to slowly sell off your businesses. Was there a moment that just like you flipped and you were like, I'm doing this? Because I know for me personally, there was a moment that I flipped the switch and was like, I'm doing this. I'm going this direction. I'm going to be a corporate dropout. And I specifically remember when it happened. And was there a moment for you or was it more of kind of a transition that you mold through over time?
1: Yeah, super question. This is so important for people to understand, especially people that are business people that have a business because in corporate America, and I've talked to many people like yourself, Melissa, that have been able to make that transition when something happens at work, that is kind of the last straw. That's something going on the side and you're like, okay, I can do this. I can make this transition. Maybe your spouse has an income that will carry you until you get your business where it needs to go. So I've seen people do that on time. I've seen people do that too early. And I've seen people just hang on and wait too long to do that when they could have done it sooner and wish they did do it sooner. For me, it was like I had on handcuffs that I couldn't just, I mean, I couldn't just, I couldn't even fold the company if I wanted to. If I, if, if I was desperate to just get out, it would still take a while to unwind it because there were so many clients. And, you know, they're, like I said, the fiduciary responsibility you have to clients when they have money with you in a fund or in an insurance company, you have to manage that. You can't just walk away from it. That's your responsibility with your licenses. So I had to really take take it very methodical, nails on a chalkboard approach to trying to get out and create that exit strategy. But isogenics and network marketing gave me that light at the end of the tunnel. Right. And you know, when I came home and I saw Susan and she was just like, oh my God, you're not going to believe the people that I talked to today and who's coming into the business, that just that just drove my, my gut was just like, yes, this is it. (laughs) We got to keep doing this. Let's keep moving forward and keep things going the way that they're going. And I kept feeding leads to her and she kept doing the do. And it was just like, it was exciting. It was a really exciting.
0: Yeah. So let's talk about that because Obviously, a lot of people who are building out their social selling business, no matter what company they are, they're managing a full-time business or they're managing a full-time job too. Like you, so your story is similar to many in those aspects. However, you are really at the top managing an entire company, but you did slowly make time to contribute. You slowly made time to generate leads. You slowly gave, delegated off your business and slowly engaged in your social selling business. And... And what I love that you said was that it got, it was exciting, right? I know for me, after a day of HR issues and calls back to back to back in corporate America, like nonstop, one would think, especially being like eight months pregnant, that I'm just ready to go to bed. And like, to this day, Jake, my husband laughs because he's like, I would come home from work and I would be exhausted from getting the kids to bed. And here we get the kids to bed and you'd like hop on the phone and start doing a webinar. And you're like, loud as all get out. I can't even sleep because you're so loud and full of energy. How do you have the energy to do that? And I think where I land and probably you landed too, was like, but this is fun. Like, This I like I'm super passionate about and I'm truly owning it. And you own your businesses too, right? But there's something about the excitement that like actually counterintuitive to what most would think for those of you that are thinking about starting something of your own is it gives you energy when it's something that you own and that you have complete control over and it's going to set you free ultimately financially. It excites you and you're willing to stay up because it's yours. And so anyway, I just, I wanted to touch on that because I know you are operating multiple businesses. Yeah. Susan's building, you're starting to get engaged and you're slowly sucked into the energy and the excitement and, you know, making that ultimately making that clean break, right, and selling everything off. And so that brings you to the top of the mountain of like my whole goal with this podcast, which is the all out piece, right living all out with, you know, I love the term lifestyle entrepreneur, where you are an entrepreneur in, in your own right, whatever your in business and product is, but you are living out your best life, right. And we'll talk about that in a minute. But I would love your thoughts on now, looking back at the younger version of yourself and knowing what you know today so look back a decade or two and knowing what you know today is there anything you would tell your younger self now that you are living all out is there any advice you'd give your younger self
1: so i compartmentalize things and when we left that first network marketing company when we were young in our late 20s i just said network marketing is no good and i just put that away I just said, I'm not going to do that. I've been there, done that. I was with a great company that doing a lot of uh, billions of dollars in sales, and it only worked for certain people. So it's not one of those things that I want to participate in. If I was going back, I would say maybe I should have been a little bit more open-minded to what could transition over time in the industry. Mm Because industries change, they evolve, they grow up. And our industry needed a hero. And I believe Jim and Kathy and now Eric Hoover are the heroes of the industry because of what they've created. So, yeah, going back to that time when I was uh, when I just said, okay, I'm going to do this again myself. And I know there are people out there that have been burnt by network marketing companies, that they put their heart and soul and love and desire into a company. And for whatever reason, out of their control, the company was either gone or there was internal management that was fighting or there was money issues or there was product issues and the company didn't survive. And more of those companies are out there than we care to even think about. I mean, literally, there's dozens and dozens of them that are created probably every single month. Most of them don't make it. Being with the right company made a big difference. And we had known that, you know, the compensation plan was there. We knew that Jim and Kathy Cooper were the right China for this company because we knew the integrity they had in the industry and their reputation. So that gave me a lot of solace that I knew that if I was able to dig in and build something that it would be there long term. And that was the driving force, Melissa, is something that was going to continue to pay me over and over again, long after the hard work was done. And this does get easier every year, every single year. We always say to, you know, we have now 11 going on 12 millionaires on our team, people that have earned over a million dollars with the company. And we always tell them the first million is the hardest. It gets easier there. You just you did all the hard work. You set the groundwork. Now it's just time to develop and nurture. And that brings me to why so many women are successful in this business. They're great nurturers.
0: Yeah. Let's talk about that. Why, why are there so many women in network marketing?
1: Nurturing because they relate. They talk. They vent. They are able to express their feelings. They're able to be authentic. They're able to do their own things without the glass ceiling right? Mm -hmm. They they might have in traditional businesses. So they see it as as a way to be their best version of themselves, where guys sort of, and sorry, if I'm just putting this all into a stereotype category, but guys are, they kind of just 100%, their ego becomes whatever it is that they do for a living, whether they're a financial advisor, they're an attorney, they're, you know, a salesperson, a rep, a doctor, whatever it is, they become that. And that's how they relate to the world, Mm -hmm. where I think perhaps women are more open to the idea of the whole concept of building a team, building a good team. And it drives them. I'm doing a call. and I'm really motivated. I'm doing a call right after we hang up for all the men on our team Going to be about, listen, this is something that if you knew what I knew, if I could give you a magic pill and you could take the magic pill and you could see what I've seen, you could experience what I've experienced. You would walk through walls to have this. This is not one of those little home party plans that some, some- think it is. It's nothing like that. It's a worldwide business that just goes on and on and on. And I mean, for this purposes of this call, to know that you could sponsor two or 300 people over a seven or eight year period, which adds up to maybe two or three people a month that you've enrolled into the company and have over 118,000 team members around the world. Most of them you've never met that are just excited about using a product every day that makes them feel better and have that as a residual income that equates to just a little piece of all of those purchases goes into our bank account every Monday. Wow. Yeah. It's true freedom. That is freedom and I don't have a building and I don't have a payroll and I don't have all of those traditional headaches and I don't have to travel unless I want to. So that was what I try to get across to the guys and why so many women probably see this faster. And we have so many powerful women on our team. You know, our team is just amazing with powerful Mm -hmm. women and it, it just continues to grow and grow that way.
0: I love that. Okay, so this kind of brings us full circle, right to living all out and what it looks like for you. Now you've been a serial entrepreneur, clearly the things you've learned in your past, you're able to apply to what you're doing now. And I think about that with so many men, you know, in corporate America that could take what they know as leaders, you know, especially the men I used to work with who, you know, we all work remotely, we were geo dispersed, we manage teams across the country, you know, the skill sets they have, that if we could educate them enough that on the opportunity, and that income producing asset that there could be for them for life, like you said, for legacy. We could make a huge, if we could even just get a small piece of the pie of men, you know, there's we're such a small piece of the pie of men right now that are in this. And I always, I love the term blue ocean because I feel like for you and for many of the men on our team, when you guys nail this and you get your marketing right, you know, you guys have a blue ocean of men once you get that ball rolling, right? With the testimony and the story. So here you are. What does living all out Look like for Murray today, having transitioned out your businesses, operating now in the e commerce space, online, literally virtually around the world, with business all over the world. What does a day to day look like for you now as an all out entrepreneur?
1: Love it. You know, Melissa and I didn't rehearse these questions. So, this is, you know, we just said we're going to talk, which is why I keep saying great question because they're all like right on point. So, our very first Top Achievers event was in about eight or nine months after we started with the company. Susan qualified for top achievers. And I walked in, it was in the Bahamas and we walked into this beautiful, beautiful hotel. And in the lobby, I saw Jim and Kathy and I went walking up to them and I said, you know, said hello. And and Jim looked at me right in my eyes. And he said, how does it feel to be back in the industry after so many years? I said, it feels amazing. I said, how do you guys feel? And he said, Murray, he said, I feel like Everything I've done in my life up to this point prepared me for what we're doing here. and I feel exactly like that. Just like you said, I feel exactly like that. Like everything I've done, all of the experiences, the highs, the lows, the pressure, the stress, all that prepared me to appreciate and build and go all out. And all out for me is, you know, I had an amazing physical transformation on these products. I lost 19 pounds of toxic fat, gained about nine pounds of muscle, feel younger and better than I did now in my late 50s than I did in my 30s and
0: 40s. And that's probably a positive feedback loop, right? Because I talk about this all the time. Not only is it the nutrition, because we're from the same network marketing company with the same products. The nutrition is a huge piece of it, but it's a positive feedback loop when you created that financial freedom for yourself that you're not in that rat race of running those multiple businesses anymore that you have, you've been able to put the oxygen mask. People ask me what that means. Like when you're on an airplane, you've got to put your mask on first, right? Before you can take care of everybody else, put your oxygen mask on. You've been able to put your oxygen mask on these past two years. And you've been able to breathe and take care of yourself Yes. In the process creating massive income streams for yourself. And I think that's the vision that most don't get from that aren't educated about the the industry in itself. And that lifestyle entrepreneur piece is that you take care of yourself and become the best version of yourself. Obviously, with our company, we've got the nutrition to fuel you and make you with that lean muscle mass. And I saw the transformation and it was incredible, right? I like occasionally on LinkedIn, I love to make the post that's like the before after of a lifestyle entrepreneur, like how they're better, Taking care of themselves, you know, a year out of leaving corporate America, how they're glowing and they're happy and excited again. I love this. I love this. Was there anything else you wanted to say there? Because I totally just cut you. No,
1: it's totally fine. It's not something that maybe drives everyone what we're talking about here, but I think it drives a lot of people to live life on their own terms, to be the best version of themselves, to have the health that they want. You know, because without your health, I mean, what do you have really? If you don't feel good every day, or you don't think you look good. So all of those things do drive right back into the beauty of the business and sharing this information with other people. And it's really nothing like sales. I mean, a lot of people think, oh, you're selling product, you're selling shakes and vitamins. No, it's not that at all. People are buying these products every day anyway from somewhere. And if they get it from us, they know they're going to get a high quality product that's probably better than anything that's out there on the market. And they can continue to use it on and on. And frankly, if it wasn't for the compensation model, my wife and I would be customers of IsoGenics probably for life, you know, but it's because of the compensation model that we're building a worldwide business around these products because we see how it's setting people free financially in a way that I don't think you can do in, in a traditional business. Right. There was no wow. one in the company making more than me. <laughs> I promise <laughs>
0: you that. <laughs> there's I there's love people, it. So People making more than us. I know. It's fun. So for your zone of genius, I I like to have my guests share some area of zone of genius as we before we close out the call, because you obviously have massive experience starting up, delegating, winding down, starting back up again right? Leading globally. What is a zone of genius that maybe you can enlighten, educate our audience who are aspiring entrepreneurs that you can just kind of educate them on, give them a couple nuggets?
1: Thank you. Now, that was one question you did tell me you were going to ask me. So I did prepare a little bit for that one. And the way I prepared was I sat for a second as I was having my coffee this morning. I said, Susan, here's a question Melissa is going to ask me today. How would you answer this? I already knew in my mind what her answer should be based on what I think, what her superpower is in the business, which I felt was her way to vision cast to people and just be creative with the Mm -hmm. whole process. But she talked about nurturing. She talked about that. She felt like that was one of the things that helped her succeed in the business most is taking people and rising them up Mm -hmm. as an entrepreneur and someone that has always just had to grind it out the key has always just been being consistent and being flexible in my consistency like you can be consistent but if you're doing the wrong thing and you're consistent with it it doesn't get you anywhere it's being it's consistent. yeah it's being consistent and then taking the time and susan and i usually do this we used to do it every week. Now we don't do it quite as much, but we used to do it every Sunday. We'd sit down and look at our goals. So what we're going to do this week? Where are we headed? You know, who are we bringing in? What are we doing? How are we training? Being consistent and stopping and seeing if it's working, and then continuing with your consistency. And your consistency does not have to be eight or ten hours a day. It just needs to be short pockets of time, maybe an yes. hour. You know, yeah. it's focused time is more than most people put in in their job. They're there all day, but doesn't mean they're focused all day. Oh my
0: gosh. So true. So true. I know for me, like the most important things that need to be done in my business get done like before anybody's awake. If those things get done the rest of the day, doesn't matter. Right? So to your point, I couldn't agree with that more. I love this. Okay. So consistency, but being flexible and being able to adapt the goals piece. We'll get to the goals piece in a minute. I want to go back to the consistency and flexibility because This really goes back to kind of what I what we discussed in the very beginning, as far as like what you're exposed to growing up can create your mentality and how you can adjust, adapt, have grit, be persistent. And I really go back to, you know, we look, what was that book that Susan had us read? Is it Millionaire Mindset? I can't remember the name of the book now.
1: (laughs) And can grow rich or the we business can
0: grow rich. Yeah. yeah, and that was like the one thing they really looked at. I read in a couple of books about this. You know what? They're not the the most successful people in entrepreneurship aren't necessarily the smartest people. They're the grittiest people that are consistent and yeah. relentless and go do what the 99% aren't willing to do. I remember when you and I first talked when my business first started to take off, you probably remember this I said, "Murray, I don't know, many people that would do what I did to get where I got right, you know, because that's that 1% who's willing to show up day after day, week after week, until the results come many people in their mindset, it's what's between their ears, and they give up before they ever succeed. And and again, I kind of go back to growing that grittiness from a young age where, you know, I had to work harder to get the grades. You know, I go home and practice soccer probably 10 times harder than a lot of other kids so that I was on that in that position leading the game. You know, it's that what's between the ears and the consistency that gets you ahead way before expertise. So I love that. And then being able to the flexible piece. I love that because i think you have to be willing to learn new things to grow with your business right and be able to pivot so i love that you put that up cuz things change daily and then being goal oriented 100% no wonder you guys have been so ridiculously successful because you have you've set direction and you and susan look at that direction and you hold yourself accountable to meeting that goal right Freaking love it. So final words of wisdom where I like to close is I would love for you to give folks some words of wisdom on what I call the leap of faith where I know there's a moment in everyone's life for those who've leapt into entrepreneurship. There's that moment where you truly just have to breathe through the fear and the risk and you just have to go. You have to Take the leap, own it, run with it, right? And I think it's probably one of the most terrifying places and exciting places to be if you think back to you've had serial leaps, right? So maybe we'll go to your most recent leap where you had leapt from moving from your businesses that you owned into social selling, right? You made that leap. What advice can you give to people who have this great idea like between their ears and are thinking about that blue ocean opportunity like you had with your financial services, right? And the difference between you and many other people who have great ideas is that you took action. You left, you went and you went for it and created a massive business out of it, right? What are your thoughts or final notes for people who are standing on the edge of opportunity, whether it's starting their own business, you know, flushing out a new idea, joining a social selling business. What is your one piece of advice on taking that leap?
1: This is so easy for me. It's just stop thinking it, overthinking it, and worrying about what others are going to think about you because that's what stops people. There's no barrier of entry when it comes to money in network marketing. There's no barrier of entry when it comes to education because you're going to learn it. There's training for everyone that's involved in it. It's what we think people are going to think about us. That's what stops us from doing this. That's what puts us on the edge because we kind of test the water. And if one or two people say something just slightly negative we're sensitive and we're like, okay, maybe this is not right for me. And we go through this deception. I mean, we've gone through it. Susan and I have gone through it. Chelsea's gone through it. Chelsea's a couple of years ago. She said to us, I'm not sure that this, that I'm cut out for this. I don't know that I can do it. That was deception. She got through that. And she's now she's absolutely crushing. It. I think we all go through it. I think it's just human nature to worry about what other people are going to think about you. And you could get I could make a post today, put it out on LinkedIn or Facebook or Instagram or any of the social networks. And I could get a 100 likes and a whole bunch of positive feedback on it. And if one person said something negative, guess what I'd think about that one comment? Yeah. It's human nature. Focusing on that one thing that was negative out of all the good things and stop that. Stop right. you from doing
0: that. Yes. Like, okay. Oh, mm-hmm. such good advice. I've loved this interview, Murray. I love just the value that you add. Your story has so much depth. And I just really appreciate you, you know, taking your time today to just unveil for everybody your story. I know that you've inspired a lot of people and given some folks some really good nuggets on mindset and just doing the damn thing. Getting started and, you know, that insecurity of what others think. I love that we landed on that because at the end of the day, are you living your life to live out your dreams? Or are you living your life to appease what others think, how they perceive you and the quicker you can jump over that and just run for your dreams that's when you're going to inspire other people anyway because you're living all out as your best self right awesome well thank you for jumping on today i really appreciate it
1: i got so much fun thank you for having me this has been great
0: Yay. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the burnout to all out podcast for free resources, materials, or information on my coaching services. Go ahead over to live the free life.co. that's live the free Life